today's a special day. Before I get into the message, I just want to uh, share this with you. You know, uh, I want to talk about a court, you know, like the justice system, the courts. And uh, I just want to tell you about how they uh, set the atheist holy day. You know, the atheists have a holiday themselves. And so this happened. An atheist uh, created a case against the upcoming Easter and Passover days, okay? He hired an attorney to bring a discrimination against Christians, Jews, and uh, observances of the holy days. The argument was that it was unfair that the atheists had no such recognized days. The case was brought before the judge. After listening to the passionate presentation by the lawyer, the judge banged his uh, gravel, declaring, case dismissed. The lawyer immediately stood, objecting to the ruling, Your Honor, how can you possibly dismiss this case? The Christians have Christmas, Easter, and others. The Jews have Passover, Yom, Yom Kipp- Kippur, and Hanukkah. Yet my client and all the other atheists have no such holidays. The judge leaned forward in his chair, saying, But you do. Your client is woefully ignorant. The lawyer said, Your Honor, we are unaware of any special observances or ho- uh, holidays for atheists. The judge said, the calendar says April 1st is April Fool's Day. <laughs> Psalm 14.1 states, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Thus, it is the opinion of the court that if your client says there is no God, then he is a fool. Therefore, April 1st is his day. <laughs> court adjourned. It's <laughs> a good one. Aren't you glad we have a living God? Hallelujah. So we're here today uh, on Easter Sunday. Such a big, this is the most significant day for Christians, isn't it? Uh, without the resurrection, where would we be? We wouldn't be here, would we? And so today we're just going to, we're, sh- we're preaching and sharing on kingdom culture on Sunday mornings. And you know what? That kingdom culture can cover anything. It just covers anything. And so it just fits in that we can keep going on our series and it w- really won't disturb our Easter. So we're just going to continue on kingdom culture. And today we're going to just be talking about the Lord of the resurrection. You know, we could say the Lord of the kingdom. And uh, Jesus is, of course, the Lord of our kingdom. He's the living Lord. And uh, the first, the first uh, week that we shared on kingdom culture, we talked about the light of the kingdom, which was Jesus. And then last week we talked about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And now this week we're going to talk about Jesus again. You know, I think we should talk about Jesus as much as we can. What do, what do you think? So this week we're going to talk about the Lord of the resurrection, or we could say the Lord of the kingdom, who is Jesus. And so that we talked about this. I'll just remind you, there's only really two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's the devil's kingdom and there's God's kingdom. I know we have nations, you know, and, and there's all these different nations and there's groups of people and races and God recognizes all those things. And of course we recognize it because, you know, we get into the sports and the Olympics and we compete with each other and, and the economies, you know, there's always competition going on between nations. Everyone's trying to get work and compete with other nations and they're doing all the sports. So a lot of times because of all the competition, because of maybe different colors and different looks, you know, people get real aware of things on the earth. But my it's so much more than what we see with our natural eye, and it's so much more than natural kingdoms. The truth is there's only two kingdoms in the world, the spiritual kingdom of darkness and the spiritual kingdom of light. And so Jesus, hallelujah, is the Lord of the kingdom of light. 
and the devil is the lord of the kingdom of darkness. So there is really only, there is only one ruler of a kingdom that exists that rose from the dead. There is no other kingdom, there is no other nation, there is no, no one that rose from the dead that rules the kingdom except the Lord Jesus. Now you kind of feel bad for everybody else that doesn't know this, you know, because how much better can it get? We actually serve a living God who rose from the dead and he is over a living kingdom. We're all going to, anybody that's in the kingdom of God, think about it, we're all going to live forever. We're not going to die. You can't beat that. So today we want to talk about it. We just want to make this statement. If there was no resurrection, Christianity is a hoax and we're, we're wasting our time. And we want to open up with this scripture today, 1 Corinthians. Let's look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 17. And that tells us this. It says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And so you can see the scripture says, if Christ, if he did not rise from the dead, if he wasn't uh, taken out of his grave and taken out of hell, then our Christianity, our faith would be futile and we would still be in our sins. So for that very reason, we want to talk today about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to talk about the significance of the resurrection. Uh, that is the key truth for Christianity. Uh, if there was no, if, if there would be no resurrection, we would be like every other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world, the founders of those religions, if they haven't died, you know, they will die. And when they do die, they're going to be in their graves and they're not going to come out of their graves. They're not going to get raised out of their graves like Jesus did. So we're the only religion in the whole world ever, past, present, and future, that has a leader, that has a king, that has a founder that rose from the dead. So that's very significant. So with all that in mind, what we want to do today is we just want to look at four things about the resurrection. Four things. And these four things are going to uh, help us see uh, some things about the power of the resurrection and how that is relevant to us. You know, it's any time that I get into the Word, I like to, of course, learn about God and I like to learn about the things in Revelation, but I always like to see when I get into the Word, how does it relate to me? Uh, how is that rele relevant to me? So today we're going to look at the resurrection. We're going to see some things about the resurrection, but what we really want to do is we want to see is how is that relevant to us? So here's the first thing we want to see. First, we want to look at the God side of it. We want to talk about Jesus. And here's the thing about Jesus. The first thing we want to look at today is this. The resurrection proved Jesus was who he said he was. The resurrection proved Jesus was who he said he was. Now, you, you might say, was that really a, a big point? Well, yes, it's a big point. I know it's just you can stand behind a pulpit on a Sunday for Easter and you can make a statement like that but we don't really realize how big that is. Because when Jesus was walking on the earth, he said a number of times that he was going to be raised from the dead. And so if, he, if that didn't happen, he would be a liar. So I want, to, I want to look at three scriptures, or four scriptures actually. Let's look at these scriptures and let's see what Jesus said. 
Uh, he, like I said, he said a number of times he's going to be risen from the dead. Uh, so if he did not rise from the dead, then we really would not be able to uh, say, well, he is who he said he was. So look at Matthew chapter 12, and look at this, Matthew 12 and verse 39 and 40. Look what that says. It says, but he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of earth. Okay, so you notice that he's talking about the three days and three nights in the heart of earth, and of course he was taken out of there. Then in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 17, that tells us this. Now Jesus, going to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to, um, to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. So that's the second time he talked about going into hell and being taken out of hell. And then the third one we want to look at is Matthew 26 and verse number 30. And in Matthew 26 and verse number 30, it says, when he, when he had said, and, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So there's three times in the book of Matthew, and that's not all the times in the Bible that Jesus said he would be raised from the dead, but these are the three that we want to look at today. And so Jesus made it very clear. Matthew, one writer, three times, Jesus said he would be raised from the dead. Now, it's interesting, too. This is a little side thought that I had as I was preparing uh, this. But these three different times in the book of Matthew that Jesus talked about that, you know, there, there's something interesting about that. The first one, he talked about Jonah. The second one, he talked about how we would be uh, condemned guilty. The, the third one, he talked about uh, how he would be like the, the shepherd would be stricken. Now, it's really interesting because I thought about that, and I thought about our redemption, and I thought about, you know, God is so amazing, and he, uh, just, he just makes paints pictures all the time. And as I was just looking at those three scriptures, I saw some things about how complete our uh, redemption is. So the first one, you know, about Jonah, I thought it was really interesting because the first one about Jonah, uh, Jonah, of course, you know, he was in the well of the, but, uh, the, the, the belly of the well. And Jonah, kind of, we could say he was in there for three days. He was kind of cooking in the, in the well's belly, right? And while he was cooking in the belly of the well, what happened? Well, Jonah was changed. Jonah got changed in the well of the, the belly. Then when Jonah got spit out, Jonah went to Nineveh, and because he was changed, he preached in Nineveh, and he changed that city. So I know that's a type of Jesus, and I know that's a, a, a type of that, but it's interesting that that happened with Jonah, okay? Then, the, uh, the next one, the second account, uh, Jesus was innocent, and then he was declared guilty, the way he described that account. So he was uh, beaten, he was scourged. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins and for the healing of our physical bodies. 
And so we know because of that, the innocent paid the price of the guilty so the guilty could be innocent. And because of the price that he paid, hallelujah, the, the innocent becoming guilty and the guilty becoming innocent. You know, if you're sitting in here today and Jesus Christ is, is your Lord, you have been declared innocent. And you may think, well, not the way that I've been living. Well, I understand that if you've ever confessed Jesus as Lord, you probably have not been perfect. And you probably haven't been living the right way. But the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And so that really means simply that the guilty, uh, I mean, the innocent became guilty, so the guilty could become innocent. So we could say uh, that about the second account, okay? So the guilty, we could say this, the guilty gets to receive all the benefits because of what the innocent one did. We became innocent, and we get those benefits. Now, the third account, the third account Jesus, the shepherd, was stricken and the sheep were scattered. But then after the resurrection, the church will be built on the revelation of the finished work and the sheep will be gathered. So in looking at that, I thought, wow, look at that. That's, you can see the lost, you can see the individual members, and you can see the church in those three things. You can see the whole scope of, the, of, of, uh, of redemption. You can see the whole scope of why Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead so the church could be come together and be built. He was raised from the dead so we can be forgiven. Hallelujah. He was raised from the dead so we could be healed. Isn't that right? He was raised from the dead so we could go out and share the gospel with other people. So you can even see that in those three different illustrations there that he talked about being raised from the dead. Now, that was just a little side journey, but getting back to our main point, the resurrection, this is our main point that we want to say, proved Jesus was who he said he was. So if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then everything else he said would have been a lie. Everything else he said would have been a lie. But because he raised from the dead, everything else he said is truth. Glory to God. Okay, now with this all in mind, go to Romans chapter 1, and we'll see the significance of this. Romans chapter 1. It proved Jesus was the true Son of God. So Romans chapter 1, and look at verse number 4. It says, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So what you see there, because Jesus was raised from the dead, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. Now that's significant because that confirmed everything else that he said. So that's the first thing we want to see about resurrection. The resurrection proved Jesus was who he said he was. But where it gets really relevant and really gets interesting now is the second thing we want to talk about today, and that's this. The resurrection proves that we are who Jesus said we would be, and we have what he said we would have, and we can do what he said we can do. And that's very significant. And it's interesting, as I began to look at scriptures, so many of the scriptures are tied in to Jesus being raised things that pertain to him but also things that pertain to us and, and the, some of the very things that we can enjoy and some of the very things that, uh, that the bible declares who we are they're tied into the resurrection of jesus so it's so easy to stand behind a pulpit or to hear sunday school you know in sunday school when you may have grown up you heard stories you know and, and various things like that and it's easy to say jesus was risen from the dead 
But when you really think about the significance of the fact that he died and he was in a tomb and then he was raised from the dead, no one else ever had that happen before where they got raised from the dead like that and they got ascended up into heaven. That is extremely significant. But how does it relate to us? Well, that's what we want to look at. So here's the first thing. The resurrection, because of the resurrection, it proves we are who God said we could be. So let's just look at a scripture, uh, a scripture that came, well, before we even do that, Romans chapter 1, we were looking at that scripture, let's just consider that scripture, Romans chapter 1, it says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Now think about that, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power. Now, what is your name? So many of your names, like I know many of your names and I'm learning many of your names, but you know, let's just say John, you know, whoever's name is John here. We could put John in there and we could say that John was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. And why is that? Because see, Jesus, once he got raised from the dead, hallelujah, isn't this awesome? That means that now because he was raised from the dead, when somebody confesses him as Lord, the second they confess him as Lord, they are declared to be a son of God. They're not the son of God, but they are a son of God. And so because he raised from the dead, if you're sitting in here this morning and Jesus is your Lord and you're born again, you are declared to be a son of God with power. You might not feel like a son of God, and sometimes you might not think you act like a son of God. And of course, you know, we're talking about sons and daughters. We're just using sons for daughters too, sons and daughters. You think... Well, I don't know if I feel like one. I don't know if I've really acted like one. And I look in the mirror and sometimes I don't even think I look like one. But the truth of the matter is, you are one if Jesus is your Lord. So when he was raised from the dead, just like he was declared to be the Son of God with power, you have been declared to be the Son of, of God with power. So that's very significant. So think about the one scripture, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to, he, to them gave he power to become sons of God. So as many people, as many, if you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Lord, we will give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. And the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave those people power to become a son of God. So this morning, you'll be given an opportunity to, to receive power to become a son of God. And, you know, I'm glad that God doesn't limit things. He doesn't say to a chosen few, but he said, as many as received him, he gave power to be son of God. So uh, that's so significant. Now, a son of God is a, a, pretty, a pretty big title. And we looked at that uh, on, on our Wednesday night services. We were talking about being sons of God. But that is a pretty significant title. You know, they asked Billy Graham once, the, the great evangelist Billy Graham, and they asked him one time, would you ever consider running for the president of the United States. And he said this, he said, why would I want to have a demotion? That's not a promotion, that's a demotion. He said, I'm a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't any higher calling in the land to be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would I want a demotion? And, I, and it's wonderful to be, but you know, think about it. Anybody that's a son of God, there's no higher title than that in the world. Now, when we walk out through the church doors, you know, and go back out into society, sometimes we don't realize that we're dignity. 
Patsy and I used to go up to a church in Toronto, Canada, and we enjoyed going to that church. The pastor and his wife of that church, you know, uh, they, they, had such, they were such a family of dignity. And they were Canadians, but we always thought, like, they reminded us of the people from British people that, you know, had the pomp of Great Britain, you know, the way that they dressed, the way that they walked, the way that they carried themselves. And we thought, wow, when we're around these people, it's like being, they just seem like, they act like dignity, you know. And, of course, you know, clothes, they're, they're just something on the outside. But, you know, what makes a person be a person of dignity is what they think of themselves on the inside. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And how you think about yourself is how you carry and act. So as a man thinketh, so is he. And so we always thought about that family that when we went up to that church, you know, they, they know who they are. And because they know who they are, they really act like it. And as Christians, the main thing that we want to do is we want to know who we are. And when we know who we are, it doesn't mean we have to change the way that we dress because, as I say, that, that's only what you have on the outside. But when you find out who you are in the inside and know who you really are, it kind of changes your posture. Even the way that you stand, the way that you walk, you know, and the confidence that you can walk with when you know who you are. And so the first thing that's so significant about the resurrection of Jesus, uh, that when we confess him as Lord, we are declared to be the sons of God with power. As many as receive him, those people, he gives power. So first of all, concerning our, the rele- relevance of the resurrection, we are who God says we are. The second thing we want to talk about today along those lines is this, that we have what God says we can have because of the resurrection. So in uh, Romans chapter 6, Romans 6 and verse number 9, look at what this says. It says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. And so we can say this, You know, Jesus rose from the dead, and once he rose from the dead, here's what happened. He conquered death, and because he conquered death, death no longer has dominion over him. But because Jesus conquered death, and he defeated death, once you confess Jesus as your Lord, death should no longer have dominion over you. And so we know we have the flesh, but we know then we also... We're a spirit being, isn't that correct? We're, we're a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. That's very simple, right? And so we know in our flesh, the Bible says, in our flesh, no good thing dwells in our flesh. Isn't that correct? So there's, there's nothing good that dwells in our flesh. I heard uh, uh, Fred Price, has anybody here ever heard of Fred Price, a great minister from California? And Fred Price said one time, he said, I can pray in tongues for eight hours. And then I can have a pretty young lady come in my office to counsel her, and I can have wrong thoughts after praying in tongues for eight hours. Now, you would think if you did that that you would, uh, would not have something like that happen. But see, the Bible says no good thing dwells in your flesh. So your flesh always wants to do the wrong thing, right? But your spirit always wants to do the right thing. So Jesus, okay, he conquered death. And so once we make Jesus our Lord and accept him, you could say this, that we have life come into us. Life comes into us. And so then it's our choice. We can either yield one to the other. 
And sometimes during the course of a day, some Christian yield, they yield to life a little bit, and then they yield to death. You might say, well, I'm so tired of doing that. Well, you know what? Every Christian would be tired of doing that, but if you, as long, don't quit. My, my big words to you today would be, don't quit. If you decide not to quit, you're going to have days where you're going to yield to the spirit of life more and more and more. And that death that works, you're going to yield to that less and less and less. But what you don't, what, the main thing, you, you, you don't want to quit. You don't want to quit. Uh, quitters never win. And winners never quit. Isn't that correct? So you don't want to quit because if you keep going, you will become a winner on a more consistent basis in your daily walk. So don't let condemnation come upon yourself. Don't let, don't let yourself get down. You can win, hallelujah, if you stay. So, okay, Jesus conquered death, and because he conquered death, once we make him our Lord, then we have life come into us, and life begins to work on the inside of us. So that is one of the things that we have. We uh, have victory over death. Now, I want to say this. I want to go to the next one. Uh, I want to talk, and here's where I want to spend more time at today, or a little more time, is this. Because of the resurrection, we are who the Bible says we are. We have what the Bible says we have. And we can also then do what the Bible says we can do. And let's look at some of these scriptures here. You know the scripture. We've said this scripture here a number of times at Romans chapter 8. We've talked about that in this church before, and we will continue to talk about it. It is a key scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11, what does it say? It says, but if the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So all the scriptures today, if you notice, all the scripture we're looking at have to do with Jesus being raised from the dead. And I really didn't consider it till this morning because it's Easter and it's, we're celebrating the resurrection of the dead. But I never really noticed how many scriptures are, tie, you know, us and our lifestyle and us having victory, they're tied into the resurrection and Jesus being raised from the dead. And I guess because it's Easter, you notice these things. So you notice that scripture, it's, it talks about, of course, the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Well, if you look at that scripture in context, that scripture is talking about supernatural assistance, supernatural assistance to serve God, supernatural assistance to act like sons of God. That's what that scripture is talking about. The spirit of the living God. The Bible, and and here's another scripture for you. Look at this scripture, and then I'll I'll make the comment. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, you, you can see that Easter, you can see that our celebration, the resurrection of Jesus, is one of the most important things concerning Christianity. Because, as we said, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he wouldn't be who he said he would be. But then, as Christians, when you start looking at the Scripture, it's the resurrection of the dead that enables us to be who we are. Who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And, and so... You see, I, I remember when I was going to Bible school, my friend, 
uh, got up to jog on Easter Sunday. It, Easter happened to be on a Sunday that year. So he got up, and he was a big-time runner. So he went on his so many miles. He would just go jog and run and exercise. So he went out and did his jog and did all of his exercise, and then he's doing his cool-down and stretching. And he was just so excited because it was Easter Sunday. He threw his hands up to heaven and said, Oh, Jesus, happy Resurrection Day. And he said, as he said that, it was as clear as a bell to him that a voice from heaven came down and said to him, his name was Tim, Tim, happy Resurrection Day to you. He thought he was doing a great thing telling Jesus, happy Resurrection Day. And then he hears a voice from heaven, happy Resurrection Day to you. And why is that? Well, because the same glory that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And that glory, and I don't know if you know that, but, you know, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20, I'll read that to you because I think you should know this, and we're not going to get into a Greek study today, but um, uh, it would be a great Greek study, and maybe another time we'll do it, but Ephesians, I, I, I just brought it as extra stuff here today in case, so I guess it is the case then. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 and, and verse 20, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Now, if, if you don't know this, there's actually five Greek words in those two verses of Scripture that uh, can, are the words for power. Five different Greek words for power or in those two uh, verses of Scripture. So that's talking about the resurrection. So we could say this. That's talking about the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. So think about this. When Jesus walked on the earth, uh, it says he said, if I, if I cast a demon out with the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus basically said, he said, you know, I can cast a demon out with my little finger, just a finger. They're nothing. Devils are nothing. He created the whole universe. But, you know, when it came to raising Christ from the dead, five different Greek words for power are used in that scripture. Many people believe that the greatest display of power since the creation of everything was when Christ was raised from the dead. So it says that he was raised by the glory of God. So I think about that. The same glory that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, dwells in you. And so then you can understand, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. You know, we can, because, the res, because of the resurrection, we can do what Jesus did. That is why it's so significant. So Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. So what did Jesus do when he, pre he, he, he taught? He ta it says he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Jesus went about teaching as explaining. Uh, preaching is proclaiming, and healing is demonstrating. So when Jesus walked on the earth, he explained, he proclaimed, and he demonstrated. He said, the same works that I do, you'll do too. So the resurrection is extremely significant because you can go around and explain things to people. You can go around and proclaim things to people. And you can go around and demonstrate things to people. The same glory that raised him from the dead dwells in you. So that means that when you lay hands on somebody, the Holy Spirit and power come out of, it comes out of your hands. 
That's why it says you can walk in newness of life. That's why the resurrection is relevant to us because we can walk in newness of life. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That same glory that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal body. We have supernatural assistance to walk like Jesus walked when he was on the earth. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. No. We carry, we carry the same glory and we carry the same power that Jesus carried when he walked on the earth. And it was made possible because God raised him from the dead. So we have, uh, you know, when you look in the mirror, you might see things in the mirror you don't like. And as you get older, you see more things you don't like. My wife has one of those mirrors, you know. The the one side is normal. Then you flip it over and it's magnified. I don't know how many times. And, you know, when you get older and you wear reading glasses, you know, because if you don't have your reading glasses on, you know, don't if you're younger, don't get grossed out about this. But, you know, when you get older, you can't see the hair growing on your ear. You can't see a lot of things. So you got to flip that mirror over. And when you flip that mirror over, then I can trim all that stuff, you know, because I don't even know it's there. Okay? Sorry, dear. She, get, she gets nervous when I start going that. But, but, you know, it just it gets magnified, you know. And, and then you can see. And then you might not always like what you see. Then you start seeing all the flaws, you know, in, in your skin. You know, you see these things you, you don't you normally see. When you're standing in front of the mirror, you can't see those things. So, you know, you can get in the mirror and you can see all of those things. And you might not like what you see in the natural. But here's what I wanted to say. doesn't matter what you see in the natural. It's what's on the inside of you. And so when I look in the mirror, I know that I'm looking at the natural. And I might see some things that I don't like. But I know one thing. That when I look into my eyes, you know, I have my natural eyes, but then I have my spiritual eyes. And so you can look in the mirror and you can talk to the, the real you. You look at your, in, into your own eyes and you are a spirit. So sometimes I've looked in the mirror before. I, when I've gone through some challenges, even physical with my physical body where I needed healing, and I've looked in the mirror before, and I've looked at myself right in the air, and I said, Tony Caminetti, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. But I'm talking to you, Tony, the the real Tony Caminetti inside there. You have the glory of God on the inside, and the glory of God that's on the inside of you quickens your physical mortal body. And I call you healed, Tony Caminetti. And I start talking to myself, talking to my body, hallelujah, because of the glory that's on the inside of us. And and so the resurrection, uh, one other scripture, listen to this scripture, Romans chapter 7. And I love this scripture, Romans 7 and verse 4. It says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Now, you know, notice how the resurrection and Jesus being raised from the dead is connected to us bearing fruit. Because, you know, it would not be possible to bear fruit without the resurrection. Because he was raised from the dead, I'm I'm being repetitious, but because he was raised from the dead and he defeated death, because he was raised from the dead and he became 
the one who was dead but now is alive. And, and I like that. You know, the scripture in Revelations, Revelations chapter 1, back there uh, in verse number 17. Uh, can you put that up? I don't see anybody's head sticking up back there. But Revelations chapter 1 and verse 17. It's, if it doesn't go up, I'll read it here in a second. Reve, but... Uh, uh, Okay, and see, notice how he said, I, and then we'll go to verse 18. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Then go to verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And he said, I have the keys to, to Hades and of death. He is the one that defeated death. He was the one that was dead, but now he is alive. And so uh, without the, re- you know, the fact that he was dead and now he's alive and he defeated death, Hallelujah. That means now, because of that, we can have actual life imparted into us. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if somebody got out of their place, like they had different offices, you know, so there was the office of the priest, and and he was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. He had to sanctify himself, and he was allowed to go in there to offer sacrifices. Now, if somebody went into the presence of God that wasn't in that office... The, the power and the presence of God would kill them. They would fall over. They couldn't get near God's power. They couldn't get near that glory if they were, you know, not in the office of a priest. And even the priests had to sanctify themselves to do that. So the significance of the resurrection uh, is this. Jesus was dead. He got raised again. He defeated death. And because of his sacrifice... Now it's possible, think about this, for God Almighty and the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead, because of his sacrifice and what he did, God can come in on the inside of us and it doesn't kill us. That's significant. God is on the inside of you if Jesus is your Lord and it hasn't killed you. (laughs) Even when you make a mistake... You know, if you're here this morning and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, even if you do something wrong and make a mistake, did you ever just pray and just start praying in tongues after? What, what, why can you pray in tongues after you made your mistake? Why, how's come God hasn't left you? How's come you haven't fallen over dead? It, it was because of that sacrifice that he made. It, 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 he made, it made it possible for the living God, the creator of the universe the God that has all that glory and power to come on the inside of us and it doesn't kill our physical bodies. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it will quicken your mortal body. It'll assist you to overcome sin. That's, that life on the inside of you will assist you to minister. That life on the inside of you will assist you. When you lay hands on somebody, the glory of God flows through. It's like a river that starts up in heaven and it comes down and it flows through uh, our, our hands and our bodies and you can lay hands on somebody and the power of God will drive out sickness and disease yeah, God will use little old us people that come from all parts of the world somebody that was born in a city with uh, 50 people a little town, a little country town uh, there's people that come out of little country towns and they get to know God they were nobodies and they get to know God, and God comes. As soon as you get to know God, it doesn't matter if you have a big name, you become a somebody. Whether nobody else in the world knows it or not, you become a somebody when you get to know God, hallelujah. Because the life of God is imparted into you. And so you can bear fruit because of the resurrection. 
Hallelujah. It's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day. Well, as usual, I can't preach all my points, but I'll just tell you what the fourth one is. Because of the resurrection, it also assures us of where, where, W-H-E-R-E, where we are going. Because we're going to be raised and we're going to have a glorified body. Because he, because he was resurrected, there's going to come a day that we will be resurrected. So I, I can't minister on that today because we're running out of time. But I, I, got some, I got the things that were in my heart. I got it out of my heart today. And the main thing that we want to see is the resurrection is very relevant to Christians. We are who the Bible says we are, and we have what the Bible says we have, and we can do what the Bible says we can do because Jesus was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone here this morning. I thank you, Father God, that you're such a good God and that you care and love for each person in this building this morning. 